Father, this morning as we come before your word, we want to receive your word with a humble heart. Give us a heart and a posture that will be willing to submit and obey. Open our hearts, open our minds. May your spirit move to convict us, to encourage us, to affirm us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, uh, uh, we're going to be talking about baptism, and uh, I want to specifically uh, uh, talk to people who really, if you, if you have not accepted Jesus, I want you to consider, even through the passage, even as we go through uh, what this means, I want you to consider what, what is stopping you from really accepting the offer of forgiveness from Jesus who died on the cross for you. Uh, and if you, if you have professed your faith, if you believe in Jesus, but you're not baptized, I want you to, based on the evidence of scripture here this morning, I want you to consider why, what is stopping you from being baptized, right? Uh, so at New City, we, we uh, look at baptism in two ways. One is we practice what is called a believer's baptism, uh, and we practice what is baptism by immersion. Right? And we're going to see from Scripture why we do this. We recognize there are other traditions and there are other practices, church practices. We, our church is very closely aligned with people who do uh, other ways of looking at baptism. I am closely friends with other people who practice other traditions, so there is, nothing, uh, there, there is nothing wrong in some of those things. But we, in this community, we read Scripture and we see the evidence of Scripture and we want to practice what the Bible seems to be telling us in terms of baptism. So even as I go through different passages this morning, I would like you to kind of really understand what baptism is in Scripture, right? And uh, firstly, I want to give you some evidence of baptism in the Bible, really just to do a survey of passages where we see baptism happening. And as you, uh, as you hear about this, as you hear these passages in Scripture, I want you to kind of notice what's happening. I want you to, at the back of your head, I want you to know that we baptize believers, people who place their faith and trust in Jesus, uh, and we baptize by immersion. Right? And, and you will see that in all these passages, in all these passages that are about baptism. Firstly, uh, we see, firstly, in the New Testament, John the Baptist comes and he is uh, preaching a message of repentance and confession. And uh, he is uh, preaching to people in the regions of Jerusalem and Judea and all the regions of Jordan. And he's baptizing them. Uh, and he's come to Matthew chapter 3, verse 6. And it says, and they were baptized by him, John the Baptist, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And we see in the same chapter, verse 13, Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized, right? And it says, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. And verse 16, it says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, which means he was in, went into the waters, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And now Jesus in his ministry uh, has 12 disciples and eventually he sends his disciples to all over the world with the great commission to make disciples. And we see this in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In response to this, Peter now begins to preach in Acts chapter 2. He preaches in Jerusalem, and it says in verse 37, 
That's what we've read just now. It says, and when they heard this, the message of the gospel, they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is in response to the gospel message that Peter preached. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 41, and so those who received this, this word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. They baptized 3,000 people. It was important. Philip, as you go through Acts, Philip in Samaria, he goes to Samaria and he's preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 8 verse 12 says, and when they believed Philip, Philip is preaching the gospel, they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then Philip goes to the Jerusalem uh, road, uh, the Gaza road, uh, that leads to, uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza in verse eight, uh, verse 8 of Acts, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus to this Ethiopian eunuch, right? So he is beginning to say the, share the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. We see this in the life of Saul, right? When Saul encounters the risen Christ, and he's blinded by the vision. Uh, and uh, Ananias is sent by God to speak to Saul. And Acts chapter 9, verse 18, Ananias comes and prays for him. And immediately something like the scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he, Saul, he rose and was baptized. Now, Philip is now Saul is now preaching the gospel and he's going to Philippi, Acts chapter 16. He meets a person called Lydia, who is a, who's an exceptionally talented, wealthy woman uh, who has her own business. And it says in verse 14, it says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, she says, after she heard and received, she got baptized. And in the same chapter in verse 30, Paul is dealing with the jailers. It says, and then he brought them out. The jailer brings the Paul and his companions out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. He washed their wounds. This is the jailer. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. So this is the pattern of scripture. As you read through the Acts and what's happening in the early church. People receive the message. They believe the message about Jesus. They confessed their sins. They repented of their sins. And they trusted Jesus as their savior. And they got baptized. Immediately. This is the normal pattern in scripture. This is the normal obedience for the life of a believer. Right? And so, so this morning with this background, I want to place three things before you. Baptism, firstly, is a picture. 
It's a picture. There are two things, two ordinances or two commands uh, Jesus has given to the church. The Lord's Supper, which we part participate once a month, and baptism. Both, both are a picture of the gospel. The Lord's Supper is a tangible, it's a physical picture. It's a demonstration, right? It's, it's something that we do. It, it is, it, the, the bread uh, signifies the body of Jesus that was broken for us. The cup signifies the blood of Jesus was shed for our sins. And as we partake of it, as much as it is real, it is pointing to the real work of Jesus on the cross for us. It points backward, it points forward to the real physical return of Jesus that we will be with him forever. So the Lord's Supper is a picture of the gospel. And in the same way, baptism is also a picture of the gospel. It's a picture. It is ordained and commanded by Jesus. Jesus commands the church to baptize those who place their faith in Christ. Jesus commands the individuals to be baptized when they place their faith and trust in Christ. And the picture is both the physical and the spiritual reality. There is a physical reality here. There is a spiritual reality here. The physical reality is that baptism is simply by immersion in water. The word baptizo, right, in, in Greek, simply means you are immersing something. And the word is commonly used uh, for a cloth that is being dyed, right? Dyed, D-Y-E-D, right? So you put the cloth into a dye, and submerge it, immerse it completely so that the entire cloth picks up the color and then you bring it out. That is the word. The baptism means that. It's used for that. In English, we kind of borrowed that word to mean the same thing. So baptism simply means immersion, submerge, dip completely into water. There's a physical reality here. This is the physical act of baptism. And immersion, we see this in scripture, right? John is baptizing in a river. The reason why? Because you can go into the water. Jesus, when he got baptized, he went into the water and he came out of the water. The Ethiopian eunuch is looking for water and finally he finds a large body of water and they go into the water and come out of the water. In fact, in John 3.23, it says John was also baptizing at a different place. It says John was baptizing at Enon near Salim because water was plentiful there, right? If you want to just sprinkle water, if you want to just pour water, you can just do it anywhere. Just open the tap or go. No, there is a re there's something here. There is a physical reality of being immersed in water and coming out. There is no evidence in scripture of pouring water or sprinkling water. So physically... You are baptized, which means you are immersed in water. And it's not just a physical reality. Immersion is not just physical. It has a spiritual significance. That is why there is immersion. Because it's a spiritual significance. Romans 6.3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So baptism is a picture. It's a physical picture of immersion in water. But why immersion? Because it is a spiritual picture. It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When I go into, when you go into the water, it signifies that you are, you are dead in Christ. Your old self and your flesh of sin is dead in Christ. 
and you're buried with Christ, and you come out of the water, just like Jesus was raised to new life, you are raised to new life. And that is why this immersion is important, because only immersion portrays the complete and glorious picture of the gospel. It is a picture that shows your union with Christ. It shows your union in Christ. In Christ, you are died to, you're dead to sin. In Christ, you're buried with him. And in Christ, you are raised to a new life. That is what baptism means. That is what baptism is a picture. So it's a picture. It's a physical picture of immersion in water. It's a spiritual picture of our union with Christ. Why picture? Why, why am I using the word picture? Because baptism does not save you. I don't want you to get this wrong. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is not the means for your union with Christ. No, my friends. Faith is the means for your union with Christ. It is by faith we are saved because of the grace of God. It is faith is the means for our union. Faith is the means for our justification to be forgiven and to be adopted as God's own family. It is faith. But baptism symbolizes this faith. It symbolizes this union. It is a dramatic and a glorious picture that God has given us to celebrate, right? So this is baptism. Baptism is a picture. Secondly, baptism is public. It is public. Why public? Ranjit, why should I, why? Can't I just believe Jesus in my heart? Doesn't God understand my heart? Doesn't God see my faith? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But throughout scripture, we see Jesus calling people to a public, to publicly identify with Jesus. Because in some, in some way, there is a cost to pay. And Jesus invites us and says, hey, I paid the eternal cost for you. Can't you pay the simple cost of publicly identifying with me? In fact, Jesus says in Luke 9.26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Baptism, when you accept Jesus, baptism is a public, decisive expression of your love and faith in Jesus. It's public, it's decisive. When you go into the water, when you come out, you're telling everybody, no, Jesus is not just Savior and Lord. Jesus is my Savior and Lord. That's what you tell people. That's what baptism is. It's public. Baptism is a, a public display of an inward spiritual reality, which is the regeneration of our hearts and our souls. Baptism is a public confession of our repentance of our sins to say that, yes, I'm a sinner before God and I lean in on Christ for my salvation. Baptism is a public declaration of our faith in Christ as my Savior and Lord alone. Baptism is a public submission to the words of Jesus and his commands. Baptism is a public celebration of this, oh, this new birth, of this new identity as part of God's family and to enjoy this new life. Baptism is also a public affirmation of the elders of the church and the people of God to be able to affirm and say, yes, this person has accepted Jesus and they belong to God. It is public. 
it is public. It should be a public affair. It should be an affair of celebration. It should be part of the corporate worship. And that's why in New City, when we celebrate baptism, we do it on Easter Sunday. We do it in between the services so that we all go up and it becomes a little messy. It becomes a little, oh, well, waters, all that stuff is happening. But we go up, we celebrate together as part of the entire church. It is something for the whole church to celebrate. It is something that we join with the angels of heaven as they rejoice and sing. And we sing along because of the miracle of new birth in the hearts of somebody. It's a picture. It is public. And lastly, it is personal. It is personal. When you accept and believe Jesus, you accept him as a person. It is not your parents' faith. It is not the faith of your parents. As much as my children, I want them to accept Jesus, but they accept Jesus on their own. It is not my faith. It is their faith in Christ, right? So as a parent, it is my duty and my joy to lead them to the Savior, to know God as their loving Father. It, it, is, it, is, it is the individual's faith and their obedience and their decision to follow Jesus. It is your obedience. Just why John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Baptism shows an obedient heart. Baptism shows a heart that submits to the basic command of Jesus, which is to get baptized, if you believe in him. It is the first and most basic command. And this is one of the reasons why we don't baptize infants in this church. There are traditions that do that. The reason why they do that is because they see the Old Testament and they see that Circumcision has replaced baptism in the church. The temple and the sacrifices has been replaced by the Lord's Supper, right? So, so since circumcision was done for infants, and so baptism can also be done for infants. So there is a reason why they do that. But we see the evidence of Scripture. We see that, yes, it has been replaced by these things in the church, but not necessarily for infants. It is, it is done with a new way. It is done in a way where when believers, it is talking about not your physical birth, it is talking about your spiritual birth. Right? So when you accept Jesus, it doesn't matter how old you are, when you accept Jesus, you walk into the waters of baptism. And that's the reason in our community, even when you are raised in a context where maybe you are baptized as an infant, that you are baptized as a child, right, as an infant, before you place your trust in Christ. And if you are somebody like that, we gently and we want to encourage you to consider believers' baptism. The reason is, uh, it is not to negate what has happened in your life. It is not to uh, demean what has happened. It is, it is not to undermine uh, the desire of your parents for you to come to faith. No, that is, it is not that. But it is to affirm you and your decision to follow Jesus as an adult. And that is why we encourage people to consider baptism when they believe in Jesus. So this morning, I want to ask you, if you're not a believer, if you've not accepted Jesus, you've not come to a point where you've accepted Jesus, I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to encourage you as a brother. What is stopping you? What is stopping you from receiving the offer of eternal life? The offer of eternal life, the forgiveness of your sins because of what Jesus did. What is stopping you from embracing that? What, what is stopping you? You might be enjoying community. You might be enjoying all the results of the gospel. Everything you see in this community is a result of the gospel. It is not the gospel. 
You might be enjoying friendships and family. You might be enjoying acceptance. You might be enjoying the groups and all the events and all these are happening. These are all wonderful benefits of the gospel, but that is not the gospel. The gospel is where you place your faith in Jesus and you say, yes, I belong to him and you get baptized. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to misunderstand the gospel this morning. I don't want you to be enjoying the benefits of the gospel thinking you have accepted the gospel. If you're not a believer, would you, would you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me because I'm a sinner and I accept what you have done for me. Maybe you're a believer here and you're not baptized. Would you, would you consider why are you not baptized? Uh, it could be that we are just simply ignorant of what scripture says. Maybe you've never really thought through baptism uh, from the point of view of what God has to do about it. So maybe it's ignorance. Maybe sometimes it is indifference. We don't care about it. It happens once a year, it happens, we don't think about it, we don't care about it. And sometimes practically we're thinking, maybe I'm raised in certain ways and I've never really thought about it. And I, maybe you're, you're like as old as me, if you think about it, we do it in a pool and you need to get into water. If you're in my size or my age, you're like, oh, I don't want to get into water. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Maybe you're indifferent of, about it. No, my friends, I want to urge you. I want to urge you. Don't be indifferent to the things of God. I want to urge you, there's nothing more joyous. Oh, there's nothing more joy. doesn't matter what age or what season of life. There's nothing more joyous for the community. There's nothing more joyous for you. Oh, to be able to say, yes, I belong to Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of it. And I want you to think about this. When Jesus hung on that cross, he publicly took your shame. He hung publicly. He didn't do it in a corner. He hung publicly. Why? Because he took our shame. He took our sin. He took our pain. And if Jesus was not ashamed of you to publicly hang on the cross, why am I ashamed? Why am I ashamed of Jesus to go into the water before people? So, my friends, baptism is a dramatic and a glorious picture. Baptism is a glorious picture. It's a, it's a public declaration and it is a personal decision. And if you've not done that, I want to encourage you to think about this. In fact, the reason why we go through this baptism is because Luke 12.50. There's a reason why we, get, we, we, we do baptism. This is why Jesus has given us this baptism. Because in Luke 12.15, it says, I have a baptism. Jesus tells about himself, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Jesus is talking about a baptism, right? Uh, the context is the disciples are coming to him and they are asking, can, I, can we sit next to you? Can we sit uh, to your right and to your left? And Jesus tells them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to be baptized? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I'm able to be baptized? Mark chapter 10. What is this baptism Jesus is talking about? Wasn't he baptized? In the Jordan, what is this baptism? That baptism is pointing to a greater baptism that Jesus is going to do for us. He was baptized by the judgment of the God, judgment of God. He took the cup of divine wrath upon our sin so that we don't have to. He was baptized with that, with the divine wrath of God, so that in him I am protected, I'm saved. Right? He took the eternal punishment and shame on our behalf so that in him we can be forgiven and cleansed, so that we can have his righteousness. That is the baptism. This is why we baptize. 
be baptized and we want you to be baptized. Our baptism reminds us of the baptism of Jesus. What he went through. Our baptism identifies with the baptism that he went through. We didn't have to go through the divine wrath of God, but we go into the waters to identify with what Jesus has done on our behalf. Right? Our baptism reveals that we say, yes, I receive and I accept what Christ has done. So my friends, every time you participate in a baptism, it is a great reminder for you, if you've been baptized, to celebrate what God has done and is doing and is going to do in your life. It is a time to celebrate and adore your Savior. And every time we see baptism, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It should be a reminder for those of us who are not baptized. Why is it? And I hope even through this, even through this, may God lead us to a point of obedience to one of the most basic commands in Scripture. Let's pray. Father, for those of us who've gone through the waters of baptism, as we hear this, we are reminded of those days. Oh, Jesus, the way you saved us, and you have never changed. You are the same. You have been faithful. We have seen your goodness in our lives. You have been a rock and a refuge. You have been an anchor for our souls. Your spirit that is in us makes us want to cry, Abba, Father. We thank you for that. You have not abandoned us. We thank you for the promise of the seal of the Holy Spirit that we know that we are your children. And this morning I pray for others of us who have not accepted you. I pray, Lord, that even as we hear the gospel, that their hearts will resonate, their hearts, your spirit will move their hearts, oh, to accept you and make that decision. I pray for those who probably have not been baptized yet. I pray, Lord, that they will come and will want to publicly affirm their decision to follow you. May your spirit move us to obedience. May your spirit convict us. May your spirit encourage and nourish us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.